everyone. A warm welcome back to the Layman's channel if you're a regular visitor. If this is your first time here then a warm welcome is extended to you too. Um, and I pray that you find um, tools on this uh, channel that will help you grow in your faith. Most of our content um, are Bible studies um, and series of Bible studies uh, doing topics or verses or e even chapters as we're doing now uh, in, the, in the Holy Bible. Um, there's also a, a couple of playlists of original songs uh, written by me and some friends over the last few years and uh, also some uh, song covers that uh, Connie, my wife and I do in, uh, we, we sing in both English and Tagalog. Um, so let, let's pray, shall we? Father, we want to thank you for bringing us together again as we uh, study your word. We want to thank you, Lord, that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, and that the entrance of your word brings light and brings understanding. And Lord, I pray, Lord God, that that may be so today. But Lord God, that you may uh, anoint my lips to enhance the kingdom of God, as you've promised, to flow through me and use me as a conduit. That Lord, there might be spirit to spirit communication in these Bible studies, Lord, that there's not just an intellectual exercise where we learn stuff, and don't apply it, but Lord God, that it would reach deep down into our hearts and spirits and really make a difference into the lives we lead um, in the world. I pray these things in your name and for your glory only, Lord. Amen. Um, last week in our introduction to this series about the keys to standing firm, um, I hopefully established the reasons why it's imperative for each one of us to stand firm. As the pressure becomes more intense upon individual Christians and the church in general in these last days, we learn that we must stand firm in our faith, knowing that we are to rely upon God's strength to help us to do so. And as we stand firm in our faith, God will use us as his witnesses against the evildoers in the world as we witness to them by standing firm in the freedom that Christ purchased for us when he died upon the cross and when we hold on to the teachings found in the Bible. Um, before we begin today's study, I'd like to clarify something um, that I said last week. Um, I said to watch out for religious people who say you must follow the teaching of the leader of the church. Um, obviously I was not referring to your pastors in the fellowships that you attend. Um, I was thinking more about the organisations on the fringe of Christianity who claim to have a better way, who say just look at our book or just listen to our leader. For instance the Mormon church say they believe in the Bible but the Book of Mormon holds more of the truth. Well, the Jehovah's Witnesses say they believe the Bible, but you cannot understand it for yourselves. You have to use the Watchtower version of the Bible and its attendant teachings as a way of guiding you in the right direction. In the Philippines, you have the uh, Iglesia Ni Christus. Uh, I think I've said that right, or Iglesia Ni Christus, who do the same thing. Uh, they basically entice people in and lead them astray by their teachings. Uh, those are the people that I'm, I, I, I was thinking about when I made that statement. 
For it's those types of organisations that take the glory away from Jesus being the only way, the only truth and the only life, insisting that it is not Jesus alone that will save you. It is always Jesus plus something. But we're believers in the true God, in the Holy One of Israel. And for this study, we'll be kicking off our adventure into the keys found in Philippians 3 that will give us some pointers that will help us and aid us in these days to stand firm. The first of these keys can be found in the very first verse of that chapter, where Paul writes this. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it's a safeguard for you. So if you've got your Bibles, let's read together the first 11 verses of Philippians chapter 3. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it's a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone thinks that he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever for was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. And may the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Now I don't know about you, um, but speaking personally, um, I can be a bit of an old sourpuss, especially when it comes to an overt public celebration of joyfulness. I don't know what it is that, that's about me that makes me reluctant to join in in the company of other believers when they are rejoicing. To be honest, I don't have a valid excuse. Maybe I'm just stubborn, or maybe I allow my innate shyness to get the better of me when I find myself in what I deem a possibly embarrassing situation. On the other hand, I'm quite happy to lead a worship service from the front of the church where, guitar in hand, the Holy Spirit anoints me to lead the rejoicing of others as we enter into the presence of the Almighty God. 
there is a definite and distinct difference between the congregational me and the worship leader me. And that's something that I'm having to deal with. What I've come to realise is that I have to learn to rejoice according to biblical principles and to get over my human nature which says ah oh, you're just going to be embarrassed if you just start dancing around and rejoicing because rejoicing is something that cannot and should not be avoided in fact to rejoice before the Lord was an essential part of Jewish worship and remains so even to this day they were commanded to rejoice before him at the Feast of Weeks in Deuteronomy 16, at the Feast of Tabernacles in Leviticus 23, when they ever they brought their tithes before the Lord in Deuteronomy 26, and in the temple worship or tabernacle worship in Deuteronomy 12. I'll put those scripture references and others I'll be using today in the description below. I'll be delving into the Hebrew words used because there are several describing the act of rejoicing. In all of the mentions above in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, the Hebrew word used is somach, which means to make merry and speaks of enjoying yourself in the company of other people. In other words, it's okay to be party people if your party is before the Lord. But there are three other Hebrew words used which also describe the act of rejoicing. These are as follows. Orlats, which means to jump up and down with joy. Gul, which means to spin around in joy. And sus, which means to deliberately make yourself cheerful. These are all used in various ways describing some things that we should be rejoicing over and which we are about to get into. I want you to notice that we are seeing here a combination of attitude of will and physical action. It is a combination of the two, of attitude and the physical. I'm going to be brutally honest here. Sometimes I wake up on a Sunday morning and I am totally apathetic about attending fellowship. What's the point? I ask myself. It's going to be the same old people doing the same old things in the same old ways as they've always done. And then you think, oh no, boring brother so-and-so is preaching today. It's going to be a long morning. Let's be honest here, we've all had thoughts like that. But how do we get out of that mindset? By reminding ourselves of the scriptures which say in Psalm 122 verse 1, I rejoiced when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. You could say here, I was made merry or I made myself merry when they said, let's go to church. You see, in the end, it doesn't matter if we do the same things in the same ways with the same people, especially when we are in the presence of the Lord and we 
make ourselves merry and rejoice before him. There is a need to understand that rejoicing is a deliberate act, not dependent upon emotions or circumstances. David's words written in Psalm 9-2 are a good example of this when he says, I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. In this verse alone, two of those Hebrew words are used, sormach and orlatz. So it could be read, I will make merry and jump for joy in you. There are many reasons to rejoice. David's focus here is upon the Lord himself. You, if you can find no other reason to rejoice, then it is enough to rejoice in the Lord. The prophet Habakkuk epitomises this attitude in Habakkuk 3 verses 17 to 18 when he cries, Though the fig tree doesn't bud and there are no grapes upon the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. Every, everything else was taken from him except God. Once again, the wording is interesting. I will rejoice is taken from the word to jump for joy, and the word joyful is the word meaning to spin around. I like this verse in, in the message version, where Eugene Peterson says, I'm turning cartwheels of joy to my saviour, God. I'm turning cartwheels of joy to my saviour God. Doesn't matter that I've got nothing. Doesn't matter that I've got no olives oil, olive oil or sheep, or there are no figs. Doesn't matter about any of that. God is God and I will rejoice in him. Now, to be honest, I'm a bit old in the tooth to be doing cartwheels. <laughs> And I daren't spin around as my vertigo might kick in. But I can still jump up and down. I still have no excuse to not rejoice in my Saviour. To be honest with you, as I prepared for this Bible study, I've had to repent before the Lord for making fun of and being embarrassed by the people whose dancing before the Lord is just a matter of jumping up and down on the spot. They were rejoicing. I was just being the old sourpuss. If you want to rejoice in God for more of his attributes, then you can rejoice in his love. If you've got nothing else, then rejoice in his love. For once again, King David writes in Psalm 31 and verse 7, I will be glad and rejoice in your love, for you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. Or I will spin around in joy and make merry in your love, Lord. But if you find you can't rejoice in his love, then look at the state of your life before you committed your life to Jesus and rejoice in his salvation. Psalm 13 verse 5 says, My heart rejoices and spins around in your salvation. Isaiah 61 and verse 10 says, I delight greatly in the Lord. 
I will deliberately be cheerful in the Lord. My soul rejoices and will spin around in joy in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. In Luke 10 and verse 20, Jesus said, Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In the New Testament, there is only one Greek word used meaning to rejoice, and that word is kahiro, kairo, and it means to fully rejoice and be of cheer. So if your life is full of circumstances which constantly drag you down, remember your salvation and deliberately set to re yourself to rejoice in the salvation that Jesus purchased for you by his death on the cross and by his resurrection. And if you cannot find reason enough to rejoice in the salvation God has graciously provided for us, you can rejoice in his wonderful name. Psalm 89 verses 15 to 17 say, Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. They rejoice, spin around in joy in your name all day long. They celebrate your righteousness for you are their glory and their strength. Right at the end of the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, Jesus added words which should be of great comfort to us all as we prepare ourselves to go through the serious hardships that are yet to come. He said in verses 11, 12, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who came before you. I take great comfort in those words and in the testimony of those who have been dreadfully treated for their faith in Christ. And I love the work of organisations such as the Barnabas Trust and Open Doors, who advocate on behalf of Christians throughout the world who are suffering only because they know Christ Jesus. And I find inspirational men such as Brother Yun, who is known as the heavenly man, who was put through unimaginable torture by the Chinese Communist Party. Or I find comfort in words, in men like Bishop Latimer and Bishop Ridley, who were burnt at the stake for their faith in, here in the UK. The last words of Latimer, as the fire was kindled, were, Be of good cheer, Master Ridley, and play the man, for we shall this day light such a candle in England, as I trust by God's grace shall never be put out. Even in death, Latimer encouraged Ridley to be of good cheer, to rejoice in his suffering, for by it the future of the Protestant Church in England would be secured. And here we are, nearly 400 years later. We are still here because men like that were prepared to suffer and to be cheerful doing so. They laid a foundation in this country, which unfortunately is being taken from us as we speak.
So pray for us here in the UK. For we desperately need God to move again. To move upon his people, who he will enable to rejoice in circumstances like we've never known before. Who will give us the joy of our salvation when we go through times of trouble. Pray for us that God will give us this joy. This joy unspeakable and full of glory. That we may rejoice in him and in him alone. Let's sum this up today. We've seen how to rejoice by jumping up and down, spinning around and deliberately making ourselves cheerful before the Lord. We have seen why we need to do it because of God's love, because of his salvation, because of his name and because of persecution and tough times. We have yet to learn when we are to rejoice. The simple answer to that can be found in one of the shortest verses in the scriptures. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 16, which simply says, Rejoice always. So I say to you all who are watching and listening, Rejoice always. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. For that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I'm going to finish up by encouraging you with a verse from the book of Zephaniah, chapter 3 and verse 17. When God says this, The Lord your God in your midst, the Mighty One will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. And if God does that for each and every one of us, then how can we not rejoice always before him? May God bless you and I'll see you next time.